0: Okay, happy? Good, man. All right, sweet. So, cool. All right, so this will be episode three of A Life Well Designed. Um, This is gonna be with Mr. Rick Murta, who is a stand-up comic, um, a sculptor, among other things. Um, And we kind of go way back, right? I've kind of known you since I was like, what, like 16? Yeah. Um, but there's been a good decade-long gap that um, that we haven't really seen each other, spoke to each other. But I've kept an eye on the kind of things you've been doing from afar. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think most interested me is the kind of journey you've been on with your stand-up comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the reason that kind of appealed to me and the reason I kind of wanted to know more is it's kind of this idea of like perseverance. Um, because there's, there's been so many things that, you know, I've done where, you know, I've started, I've stopped. Um, I didn't know whether it was working out. So I was like, do I put everything behind this or do I move on to the next thing? It's always been, it's kind of been like a really a sort of a difficult skill to kind of pick up over time. Like, when do you stop something? When do you continue? So I always I always really admire people who find something they want to achieve and just relentlessly pursue it. Um, yeah. How many years have you been doing it for now? Uh, seven years, yeah. Seven so, years. But it was when,
1: when you first start doing something, you have probably a goal in mind or an end game in mind. Um, but over time, as I've been doing stand-up comedy, my kind of goals and my um, aspirations have changed somewhat during it, mm. but I'm still doing it. And I think evidently on stage, I'm showing that I love it a lot more than I used to mm. as well. So again, it's that perseverance, but having a different goal in mind. What is the goal? For me, I just want to be able just to just be funny on stage Mm. Um, because you can do it anytime, anywhere. I mean, I have no aspirations to be on TV, but it's not as if I'd turn it down if I got the opportunity. Mm. Of course, but because of my style of comedy, um, you know how I speak on stage. I know there's a place for me, like, but I think most of it is probably like you, you, you'd you rather watch it online rather than at live at the Apollo. But obviously, a mm. goal is for people to want to come see me live too. Mm. But I have no desires to do Madison Square Garden in New York or, you know, the O2 or anything like that because ultimately, I don't think I'd be able to suit that kind of avenue of comedy.
0: Why so? I'm kind of interested in that because I feel like, you know every comic i see there you know that always aspiring to be like i want to sell out wembley yeah um so i'm kind of interested to see what, why, why do you think that well it's because of the kind of comedy you'll see
1: that i think the kind of comedy that i say kevin hart does he suits mm. that he's created that kind of um goliath that is his comedy like he's, he's selling out like stadiums football arenas all that kind of stuff but he's so animated he's got a universal appeal I don't think I have that, but I'm not putting myself down for it either. I know that what I have and what I don't really want to be because there's something in terms of sacrifice. I think sometimes you can sacrifice part of yourself Mm. to achieve that goal and then you end up kind of losing a bit of yourself as well as philosophical as that sounds. Mm. But um, so I think if, if TV was to come along or whatever, It'd be very difficult for me to go, you know what, I, I do want this, but I also kind of want to be able to have creative control, do things my own way. I don't want people like kind of getting involved money-wise and whatever. Mm. I'm, I'm probably sounding very naive by saying that, mm. but I'll, 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 I'll never know until I'm in that position, mm. really. So I'm, I can even just say this shit out loud. Mm. Um, it's it's all, all in the action. But, um, again, yeah, the aspirations definitely have changed, but I feel like I've, I'm much better um, as a comedian. Mm. I enjoy it a lot more.
0: How many shows have you done over like this this last seven years? Do you, have, do, you do you even know? I I lost
1: count after about six hundred.
0: Wow, so you've done yeah. six hundred plus shows.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a That's lot insane, more than that. Dude. But yeah, yeah, but you have got to do that if you really want to be a working comic. Yeah, because um, it's not as if I'm just I, I'm just doing comedy for shits and giggles. You know, mm. like pardon the you know puns or whatever. But um,
0: if you want to get any good at it, like at anything, you've got to keep doing it for real man that's yeah that's something i've spoken to about a couple of people is just this idea of process um and just by beginning and failing it's the only way you'll truly know whether whether or not you're good enough or whether Mm. or not you can do it um i'm sure there's probably so much you've learned about yourself on stage oh yeah um i'm curious like how did how how has that kind of changed you because live performances i'll be honest is always kind of terrified me in mm-hmm. some sense like even when i was younger playing music and stuff like that it didn't feel so bad because you know you're with a band and there's other people on stage it's not you. on you then, is it? yeah it's, on it's like one, yeah like you know there's other things that i aspire to do was like sometimes you know i even i still want to at some point like you know dj or whatever but then you're in a situation where you're the sole entertainment you're the only thing on stage and everyone's eyes are on you and that kind of freaks me out a little bit um how how did you learn to deal with that, and how did you like overcome that to like do your first show or like your first ten shows? Well, because there's
1: an ego in there, you know. Like, I felt like I had there's some things I wanted to express, but I never knew how to do it in any other way. Like, I'd always been I'd, I'd been a gymnast in school. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I'd would get attention. So I'd just do like backflips off the of walls and whatnot. Um, then obviously I wanted to get into wrestling, which is also another form of performance and entertainment. And then drumming, which is how me and you met when we were in bands together. And then so anything I've done in life has always been like kind of for the stage or for mm. the attention stand up was just another form of that. Mm. But but this time there was my brain was developing and my um, feeling lost in the world, that kind of crap that you go through when you're younger. Mm um so it's just expressing that and doing it on stage and then you really do learn a lot about yourself and then when you look back at your old material and you go fucking hell did I think that when I was 24? Jesus Christ I would have slapped me then too you know mm. that kind of stuff um but I, I forget the point of your question now sorry but it was um,
0: how did you how did you mentally overcome you know, ah, the fear right. you have of going on stage for the first time? The more you do it really I mean I, I think what helped was I had an okay
1: <clears throat> um, set the first time I did it, mm. I got some laughs out of it, and so when I, f- but what was weird, I think only because if it failed, it failed. I didn't really care, but when mm. the last joke died, it was the only thing that really died that night. I was kind of cool with that. Mm. It was just a weird feeling. But when the more you do comedy, and then when you notice know it, you're failing, that's when you start to get more anxious. Mm. It's because you're, you you realise what can come of that. But when you when you start doing it at, at snap you're more naive. Well actually when you start on anything if you fail you're just very naive you're just learning mm. but again the more you do it the more you learn and the more you fuck up and then you
0: just overcome it only if you want to mm. really yeah that's pretty fascinating because i've spoken about that with a couple of friends and that this idea of this self-awareness just be like just just overcome it and just do it yeah i think that's all it comes down to because i've been trying to find ways to kind of word it or is there a process you can go through and i think there just comes a point where you just kind of get over yourself and you do it because the pain of not doing it is greater than the pain of failing when you do it but you learn that over time as yeah, well. Exactly. the more stuff
1: you put off the more you think oh, okay nothing can really hurt me but it's like yeah. well you only just hurt yourself really because yeah. but, but then again I, i've got a, a weird thing about this it's like oh you know conquering your fear yeah. i agree with that notion but i think there's certain fears you don't have to conquer mm. folks for, for example um i was like i got a fear of roller coasters. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends would say, well, you should go on a roller coaster, and, you know, you'll conquer that fear. Yeah. I'm like, I'm never gonna be in my deathbed and gone, should have ridden Nemesis Inferno. Mm. It's just not- it's a pretty good Inferno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I, just, I just don't mm. have the need for that. Yeah. But um, but that's just a, a very small example, but conquering your fear over stuff you really wanna do. Mm. That's obviously the point of that. It's like, don't just you don't have to conquer every single fear. Mm just kind of things that you you, because you know deep down inside you want it you're just not sure how to get there or what's going to happen if you attempt it Mm. but if you fail you fail but we also i think we spoke about this before it's never really failure it's more lessons
0: learned yeah it's kind of interesting you say if you really want it you'll you'll do it and i think that's kind of what it comes down to a lot of the time where people don't take the leap or they don't push through it they don't want it as much as they think they do exactly They, they think they want it but they don't really so there's always a part of them or you or even i that will lead you to self-sabotage yeah i've done this in the past where it's like you know i i thought i wanted something or i kind of convinced myself i did but deep down truly you know the desire was not as much as i was you know convincing myself of of it the fantasy isn't it yeah so it's like you know yeah exactly that the thought of it was so much more compelling than the idea of like oh do do i actually want to do that like when you're actually doing it day in and day out because you know everything you choose, it comes with a pile of shit. You know what I mean? Any dream job, you know, a, a part of it is going to be is, is going to be not great. Um, mm-hmm. That's just that's just life. There's, that's with everything. There's no job where you're you're going to enjoy every single second of it. So it's like if you don't if you don't want that thing as much, all the shit parts will kind of get to you enough where you're like, oh, actually, I don't really want to do this, or you'll self sabotage yourself.
1: But I think where we self sabotage is where we look at the end product first. So let's say everything you see on TV is a finished product Everything yep. uh, you see, let's say you're a fan of Beyonce, you're like, oh, I want to do what Beyonce does. want to be her. Like, yeah, you only want what she's got now. What did she have to do to get there? And that's what people miss a lot. And obviously I'm there as well. Obviously we, we, we all are, but it's people don't realize there is work to get there the steps you have to take and how much are you willing to sacrifice, that kind of thing. You might not have to sacrifice much in this day and age, because some things are a lot easier now than it were 20
0: years ago, but you still have to sacrifice something. That is such an excellent point. The idea that all anyone sees is the end product. Um, and I've kind of, I've, I think everyone feels the effect of that because I mean, it's designed to capture attention and your imagination and be like, wow, that thing. And it's and it's yeah it's exactly like that. For example, you know when you go when I <clears throat> when I go to a concert and I see this amazing stage show or something like that, and it's just like my God, that's incredible, and you leave all hyped and energized, and you're like, I want to do that. But then you really start to think about it, and you realize everything that goes into putting on that one hour show, and then right. you realize actually, do I really want that? And it's when when the realization kicks in that in order to have you know that one hour of you being on stage or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, there's 23 hours of lead up to that one hour. And then like 10 years prior to that one day where you do that one hour. It's like, there's so much work that goes into doing anything of these things that are interesting or cool that might get you hyped. And if you, and I think the reason people get bogged down with that is because when you do see that end product and then you slowly start to realize how much work it's gonna be, you're thinking about the work it takes to do that you know Wembley arena show mm-hmm. when you shouldn't be thinking about that at all, think about getting good, you should or just think about actually just doing it, just yeah. just beginning, just taking that first step, whether that's you know if it was in this case of comedy, like just writing some material or mm-hmm. just going to a stand up night just in some really low key pub or something like that, just think about that, just think about like the lowest barrier to entry to just get you going because once you get going momentum will kick in yeah exactly and as long as you don't let that momentum die it will just snowball and eventually you get there then you know before you know it you're 5, 10 years down the line and okay now you're ready to do Wembley yeah do you know what I mean but also I think
1: plans are, are, they're, they're a good idea in theory but in practicality mm-hmm. you, you, your plan never goes the way it's meant to go like you might end up performing at Wembley one day, but the idea of how you were going to get there is completely different to what the reality would be. And that's why a lot of people quit a lot easier, a lot quicker, sorry, um, when they're starting something, thinking they're going to get to that level in six months' time. It's because they, again, like you, you. let's say you listen to Metallica, your first time, you're 14 years old, you listen to Metallica, you think they're a new band, but they've been going for... Twenty-five years, thirty years, easy. Yeah,
0: more than that, maybe even. Right. Like yeah.
1: Fun. So, and you think, oh, right, but i But you don't pick up a guitar and you're suddenly you're Jimi Hendrix. Like mm-hmm. when when I first heard System of a Down, I wanted to play um, Chop Suey mm-hmm. on the drums, and I was slightly slightly playing drums, but I just wanted to play Chop Suey. You're not going to play Chop Suey when you're yeah. starting drums. You, you have to build to get there. Mm-hmm. You have to build your rudiment, rudiments. You have to build your technique, and performance you know how you're going to make it sound good there's a lot of yeah. elements and you don't
0: pick that up until you start learning and doing it yeah i think that's super key just to emphasize to people that don't like be inspired by the end goal but don't don't plan around that i completely agree with you like just plan just plan a few steps ahead honestly that's all yeah, it is exactly. it's just literally just a couple steps is all you really need to see And as long as you enjoy the process, which I think is the key for anyone that survives in something long-term, it's like they fall in love with the process, not so much the end result. Right. Um, Because it's like the more you love the process, because the process is what you're spending 99% of your time doing. The end result is just like that 1%. So It doesn't last long. Yeah. It really, Mm -hmm. really doesn't. So if you hate the process of getting to that 1%, you're not even going to enjoy that because you've just gone through all this thing you're just like oh is this even worth it and that's when people quit so like i can't deal with this but if you love the process and everything that entails you are just way more likely to put the necessary amount of time in or pick up the skills needed to eventually get to the point where you know let's say the goal is to be self-sufficient off of it and be like this is my career like this pays the bills because i I think that's ultimately what everyone wants who's in a creative field that. it's like i want what i enjoy to pay the bills that's it. Yeah.
1: but in terms of when you do reach your end goal, what then? Like, let's say you're you're like 16, and then you reach your goal when you're 22. Do you rest on your laurels? Because you've got a long way to go mm. in life. That shit isn't gonna last forever. Like, you can you can be rich at 22, but you can also be broke at 30. Yeah. You know. So, what's your key after that? How are you gonna create your longevity?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting you say that. I, I touched upon. About- touched upon this in the last podcast where it's sort of like it's that idea of purpose um where it's like so you've got these goals but your purpose is like an overarching theme of your life so it's like because you're right you know stuff like that is kind of like a goal Mm. you know like i want to play x or i want to make x amount of money these are these are goals these aren't like your purpose so it's like maybe your purpose is you want to entertain people and make them happy that goes on forever yeah and as long as that is kind of like your north star you'll always set bigger and bigger goals to achieve that purpose yeah so you'll never get to that point where you're like what next because it's just well okay how do i just how do i amplify what i've done or how do i improve what i've done and it just goes on and on and on as long as you're deeply satisfied or like happy about that purpose like you still enjoy entertaining people yeah um Yeah, it will never end. You'll just continually be motivated, inspired to just improve your craft, to just keep going and going and going because it's just another step to fulfilling your purpose to like a greater degree. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. Cool. (laughs) So, what kind of, I mean, so I actually have a friend um, Mm -hmm. and she wants to attempt stand-up comedy. Okay. Um, And what kind of advice would you have for someone who's like going to do like their first stand up show?
1: Um, well, basically, just get your material together. Um, just go up and do it and then see where it goes. Like, you, you know, you can only really get good on stage. You can practice your set in the mirror, you can practice your set in wherever you are, but you've got still got to perform it in front of people. Mm. And they're the ones that are telling you whether you're funny or not. Mm. Sometimes there, there could be a, a dumb audience, mm. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, you, I I'd say the best thing to do don't ask the MC to let to tell them that's your first time gigging. Mm-hmm. Because that's one thing I see where I think that can give you a, a false where you kind of make you a little bit deluded that your set went well than it actually did. So, I mean, because, for example, when I, I go to comedy gigs and they say, oh, this is a person's first ever gig, and they tell you this before they go on stage. Mm-hmm. Now that it's kind of set you up to go, okay, we should probably give her a little bit of a break, mm. which is, you know, it's the first time, and it's nerve-wracking. That's nice, but to be a comedian, you have to be able to go through all kinds of shit. You're going to be in bare pits, you're going to be... Doing a you know a show at a circus maybe who knows like mm. there's always weird places you can do comedy I don't want one in the boxing ring so um I'd say just just rely on the fact that you're gonna go up there and you think you know if you think your stuff's good it probably is but you but you haven't got the skills to to develop it properly or maybe you've learnt a lot on YouTube and you can probably create a kind of character or a style or whatever you'll figure it out if you if you really stick with it. But never ask the MC to tell them that it's your first time gigging. Maybe they can say it after you've performed. Mm-hmm. So if it went well, people will be more impressed. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think that can uh, sometimes catch new comics off guard when they've been given a chance to be funny, even though they probably the materials went there. Yeah, you know,
0: like just just try and do it as raw as possible. It's a false sense of security. you know, yeah. get the. So I guess you won't walk away with the correct feedback that you need like you really want going and going to improve your material
1: yeah because you're, you're gonna think that that set killed so well the first mm. night when you do it the second night and it's like okay no one gives a shit that was your first gig it's your second show now yeah. and you bomb yeah it's horrible it is a horrible feeling and that's a tough one to come back from
0: so. how do you deal with bombing uh, is that something that happens to you frequently or is it oh like, yeah <laughs> does <laughs> it like know? dip over time or is it always like consistently they'll be like shows that don't go well
1: yeah the shows that don't go well but sometimes there's many variables but for, for that's for the sake of argument say it's because it's me <laughs> that uh, i'm bombing i tend to kind of enjoy it a bit more and i'm so relaxed on stage now that i think i have more of an audacity just to kind of ride the bomb because mm. um there's a comedian i've told you about patrice o'neill mm. he was what he had the, the best bit of av- i say advice the best thing is how how he deals with um dying on stage he says he's, he takes the audience to die with him it's <laughs> like i'm, I'm not going to try and win you back you know mm. you you've you've allowed this show to kind of suffer as well so yeah. it, it's just it's just funny i kind of enjoy it a lot more because yeah. i know i can bring it back i've always got something in my arsenal where i can go or i can take it um out of the very awkward silence mm sometimes it doesn't go that way but it's like you know what oh well these people aren't going to re- necessarily remember mm. it's only going to be in my head for a couple of days or weeks or months yeah. <laughs> <All years. laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah
0: mm, that's very really interesting um
1: people handling it differently you know yeah uh, but I, i've been doing it for seven years and i've still got a long way to go before i can consider myself a, a pro um but I'm kind of comfortable with awkward situations now and because I've been doing stand-up so long and I've gotten into weird um, scenarios, mm. like I've had people walk out during my set. I've, wow. Yeah. And I've had uh, people heckle me, but I've been able to do really well with the hecklers. But sometimes when I was, you know, when I was very green mm. and raw, the hecklers would get me and that, oh, that kills you. That kills you when, when, the, when the heckler's funnier than you. Oh. ah, oh, that's a tough one. How'd you, how'd you deal with that? Uh I think I, you, you probably cry uh you you you, can, you can never really get out of that yeah you just go go off stage and realize you just okay I got my ass kicked tonight did did you finish your set yeah you probably do but sometimes it's like worth it's it's worthless just mm. even trying to attempt it because yeah you're not going to top the guy who's funnier than you mm. and you're the one on stage yeah <laughs> yeah
0: well it sounds rough just uh,
1: yeah just hearing it it is but that's stand-up it's Um, how you grow i suppose right exactly i mean you've heard of bill burr yep um if you want to like in terms of how to deal with a crowd his um infamous philadelphia incident on youtube he's like on the stage and the crowds have been like i think it's i can't remember how many people but literally in maybe in the thousands and he's ripping them apart like saying Fuck you guys i'm gonna be I'm, I'm here for like 15 minutes i'm gonna do every single minute I'm, he's gonna he took the crowd to die with him and he, he destroyed them but he got such a big ovation for that mm. because he stuck it out um again it's just how you deal with it like so you can either walk off stage and go fuck this I'm, I'm not gonna do it or you can go you know what i'm not gonna fucking let you control
0: me I think it's, yeah, it sounds like it's kind of like a matter of like self-confidence. Like if they, if the audience latches on that you don't believe in yourself, then all faith from then is gone. But if they see you have almost a delusional sense of (laughs) self-confidence, maybe they'd be like, well, actually, maybe he has got something up his sleeve. Let me, let me ride this out. Um, Yeah. The audience can tell. Yeah. I think that's true in almost any scenario. Like people, people, people quickly realize when you're bullshitting or if you don't believe in yourself and they'll... Like they may not show it like, like visually, but they lose a lot of respect for you quickly. Then the words you're saying or whatever you're doing, all weight is lost um, yeah. with them. And it's, it is an uphill struggle to kind of pull it back. So yeah, it's kind of like a matter of keeping frame um, mm. and just having like a delusional self, of, self sense of self-confidence. It's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because
1: I think confidence is something you really develop over time. You can
0: never be confident straight away. That doesn't, Mm. that doesn't make sense. I think there definitely is an element of faking it a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, there's been times where I've had to do that when I'm thinking about it, like even in like everyday situations, like, you know, maybe you're in a meeting or you're going for an interview or, you know, any kind of situation that requires you to have some kind of presence um, there's always been times growing up, obviously, where you don't really have that yet because you've never really been exposed to that situation. Yeah. But if you walk in like you own the room and kind of act like it, people kind of give you respect automatically. Because like, oh, like what's what's all this about? Because they're trying to yeah. suss you out. And it's like as long as you can keep that up and you don't break frame, they're like okay kind of knows his shit I'll, I'll give him his moment you know what I mean rather than because um, if you stumble and you kind of fall and you're kind of a bit jittery or you mess something up or you like start sweating too much or something mm. it's like blood in the water and people will just be like oh this guy's chatting shit this guy's panicking yeah he's <laughs> yeah. chatting shit yeah you know, and that something... happens a
1: lot on stage yeah absolutely I- I've had that for sure when you're the people that just know that I'm bullshit I'm just trying to get through the set yeah. uh, or I've forgotten my material but I've gotten better at you know it's weird i find i'm funnier when i'm bombing oh really yeah because i've managed i managed to get out of it so quickly now mm. like i'm not saying that's my style or anything i don't want mm. you to come into and think, oh this guy's he's the bombing comedian mm. no like but if i am bombing like it, the the best thing to do is just go oh fucking hell! i'm just bombing here aren't i just just address it yeah you know and people they they go oh thank you for giving us that out because it's so painful to watch yeah yeah but when you're not addressing it they're not sure if it's part of the act or yeah. if you're like, oh, this guy's completely fucking lost it. You know? Yeah. So yeah, he's got to run with it. And then I find, cause it's probably example. Recently uh, I did a gig in, um, Piccadilly circus and I was starting to kind of lose my way a bit because I've forgotten some of the material that I had in my head and I was going to do the trick of like, Going for my phone to kind of read, okay. So I had some new materials on there, but I forgot that my friend was filming me. Mm. (laughs) So I went, Oh, you know what? Um, I was meant to get some new stuff on my phone. Um, My phone is over there, being, you know, my friend's recording me. And then I just basically mocked myself, trying to search my phone to say, Oh, he's, he's recording me bombing, trying to remember my own material. Yeah. And that's just, it was just a funny bit. Like, you just, as soon as you react to that, you go, Oh, the guy's human.
0: You yeah know. it's kind of taking ownership yeah know? exactly and i think you're kind of right as well it kind of alleviates the tension for the crowd as well It's like yeah. oh, I, ca- I can laugh or like i don't have to feel awkward because end of the day they've come there to have a laugh and have a good time you know they've not really come there to be like super judgmental or anything like that so be surprised oh really yeah oh man um we have one woman
1: who's very judgmental on a new material night yeah it, w- it, w- it was so odd because it was almost like she kept all the attention on her like She was almost like a focal point of the show. And she wasn't laughing at any of the comedians. And was she like
0: a critic or?
1: She might as well have been, but who knows what she does in real life. Um, I think just annoys people really. But mm. um, but she was there and she, there was a, a friend of mine, Faye Tracy, she was doing some jokes about tampons or whatever it was. And um, the woman was kind of like, oh, no, those are kind of saying, oh, you shouldn't just talk about that on stage. And she was yeah. It's like who gives a fuck about your opinion yeah we're just trying to be funny just just line up um and then oddly enough um i got on the stage and she wasn't laughing for most of my set so i, I was kind of addressing it every now and then it's like, how's she doing she right?" and then mm-hmm. i did one joke and it got her she just completely broke down laughing
0: really yeah was... how'd you do it
1: i suppose you maybe uh, have to be in the moment right well when, it, when it, it, it was a joke that i have it was um the joke was, you know, it sucks when you um, break up with your girlfriend because you realise that you've got no one uh, to shave your back. And,
0: um, and
1: that, that just fucking broke her. Like, the fact that I've got a hairy back.
0: It's almost you like know. the absurdity of it, because it's like you're not expecting yeah, that I guess to be so. the end of the thing.
1: But but at the same time, the, the whole point of the night was new material. I mean, if yeah, it was yeah. going to bomb, it was going to bomb. But to say, like, oh, you shouldn't joke about that, I just, yeah, yeah. that's just fucking nonsense. And, but she, she should be able to kind of tell that people are going to be making jokes and mm. if you're going to kind of make a point to say this is what I stand for you shouldn't make jokes about this we're going to fucking make jokes at your expense yeah. we're just going to do it like just to be dicks because yeah. we think you're a dick for, for doing that you know
0: how do you what what's your kind of um standpoint on this kind of really pervasive pc culture we're in now where so much there are so many rules in place and there's so much pressure on people not to make jokes about so many things like Mm. there are so many like everything almost suddenly feels like it's you know it's uh it's it's off the table you you can't say that you can't joke about this everything has to be caveated everything needs to be pre-vetted and you know so many things like i i think about like comedy and comics from even like you know Five years ago, ten years ago, if they did that material now, like it would make news headlines, it would just be pure outrage.
1: Get Richard Pryor to do a set in two thousand nineteen. Get him to do his stuff in Live with the Sunset Strip
0: and do it in two thousand nineteen and see how it fly. It's a weird one. It just wouldn't, right? Mm. But I feel like we're we're losing so much great comedy because of this. And it's like I mean, it's either you either it's either everything you can joke about everything or you can joke about nothing. Yeah south park said that right yeah they had this, they? a thing about that yeah i think like, yeah.
1: Every, every, everything's funny everything's not funny
0: yeah it's like yeah. everything has to be open and it's like comedy is kind of interesting as an art form because it's kind of shining a mirror back on society itself that's all it's and that's really why people doing, don't like right? it and it's like it's it's the jokes that hit too close to home for a certain thing like for example you may have like left-wingers who hear a joke about right-wingers and be like completely cracking up laughing but yeah, as soon yeah. as you make one at their expense all of a sudden it's like pure outrage because now it's all ideological
1: yeah yeah and that's, that's what irritates me the most it's like if you can't laugh at yourself then you don't deserve to be in a comedy night really i mean what i find really annoying and hypocritical is like comedy is the one that kind of takes a lot of um, the brunt of it in terms mm. of what they're showing society, or what people are saying, but yet Game of Thrones is like the biggest thing on TV. And what do you see in Game of Thrones? You see a lot of incest, you see a lot of violence and r- rape and all that kind of shit. I'm like,
0: but w- why? Why is that not getting absolutely lambasted? do You know, what I think it is. I think people draw this distinction that that's that's fantasy. It's just TV programming. Whereas for some reason. They take everything comics say as like the gospel. Verbatim, like right? yeah. I think it's like they think if a comic says something, they believe that. That's their belief system, which isn't true. Mm. If if they're making a joke about something, it's there. It's a it's the commentary on an in, in, on an issue or a subject. It's their view on, you know, they're trying to get across their view on something that's happened in a comedic way. Yeah, because um, that's often a great medium to raise awareness about certain things. You know, people may not think that, but comedy is an excellent vehicle to get people thinking about certain things, get them engaged in a discussion about topics that are traditionally quite dark or harrowing or maybe uncomfortable because it alleviates some of the pressure on that and be like, because you can laugh about it a little bit and you can talk about it. But what people... You know, comics, some of them are shying away from it now because, you know, Mm. they'll get read about in the papers that he believes all women should be raped or something ridiculous like that when he was clearly just making some kind of a joke. Yeah. Um, But it'll be taken as that's his belief.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous because um, anything a a politician says, um, you don't believe him yeah everything a comedian says you believe him
0: i know right maybe you guys should just run for office <laughs> we
1: really should like i think there was a comedian recently that became the president of uh, a country i forget which country it is but he's, he was actually a comedian so I mean, maybe there's room wow. for a comedian to be a president somewhere there you go. But...
0: prime prime Minister Murta. <laughs> yeah
1: maybe oh, <laughs> oh god i'll be a terrible one but um yeah, yeah it's it's just really uh frustrating because i see a lot of comedians on the circuit doing that and. It's when they have a go at you for telling certain jokes. I'm like, you're in no position to tell me what I shouldn't be joking about. Comics, judge you. Some some people have really. Yeah, some I'm people. surprised. I would have thought they'd been the most understanding. You think so, right? But the uh, because it's an ideology, I think, and because uh, there are sensitive areas, and I, underst- I understand all that. But you think? But do you really think a joke's going to break your world?
0: Mm.
1: Like, I'd rather hear a rape joke, then hear someone got raped. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, nor would, not, not, I've heard bad rape jokes, but I've heard funny ones too. Yeah. Like, the whole point is, there is the idea is meant to be ridiculous. Like, if you mm. can't tell this is meant to be funny or meant to be stupid, mm. then y- we're gonna have a real big problem. and We are ha- having a big problem. But um, Patrice O'Neill, back to him again, had a brilliant bit about it saying, um, bad jokes, and good jokes come out of the same place like you know like you should be allowed to be able to attempt to make things funny and if it does if it's not funny then it's not funny that's the way it goes Mm. but to kind of like lambast someone because they said something really offensive it's Mm. like yeah well he's a fucking human he's gonna say some fucking shit that's wrong or he might not even agree with it in the moment he might regret it saying it afterwards i've done Mm. that for sure i posted loads of stuff on twitter that i've gone Oh, I should have thought about that a bit more. But mm. at the same time, it's like, what power do I actually have over your life when my joke can take you down? Mm. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Mm. I mean, we are, we are, we are all sensitive, mm. but I think we're all very picky about what we want to be sensitive about.
0: Well, it's just when it's personal, isn't it? Yeah. People are happy to laugh at other people, but most people just don't want to laugh at themselves. I think it's because... I mean, if it does shine a light on yourself, it's probably on something you have some kind of insecurity about or it's yeah. something Maybe it there, touches nerve. To but I mean, that again, that's why comedy is valuable mm. because it's, it's introspective. Again, it helps you think about things you may not think about. It helps you see things from another perspective. And in a lot of cases, it can... And I think what happens is it shines a light on how ridiculous a belief you might have exactly. is. And then you can't tolerate that because you realize something you are like so adamant about is actually ridiculous and it's been shown to you and you just can't handle that because mm. it's almost like they're breaking down your belief system or well, that's what they see it as. So it's like, it's no longer a joke. It's a personal attack. And it's just like, well, it's just, you just, you just, you just don't know how to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? But
1: I, I, I fall into that category I was very guilty of that I, I would have called myself A left winger years ago mm. um, So anything I said I thought I was right But I, I think that more or less Comes with being in your teens And your early 20s You think mm. you're right About everything And your your parents don't know shit mm. um, it, it's, it's an arrogance that you have So when and when you get Called out for it By actually intelligent people mm your how worldview shatters mm. you know you become very vulnerable and you don't like that feeling it's a yeah. shitty feeling but you know sometimes you can just be gullible and believe your own bullshit yeah you know you gotta step outside of it and that's why comedy really fucking helped because mm. i got into bill hicks and george carlin and they were saying things that um they made me aware of but they were also saying things that i was thinking inside my own heads thinking okay i can't say this because i don't think anyone would agree with me or whatever um but you realise we we've got a lot more in common than we realize mm. we all want to be different and unique and some of us are but some of us are just kind of faking it you mm. know faking it to make it whatever you know they, they want to be such a um, a unique individual or whatever mm. or a unique group think and it's just nonsense if, it, if it's contrived it's not genuine
0: yeah i think that's kind of it it's kind of strange um like the older I get, the less I kind of believe in true sort of originality. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from ideas to people, everything is built upon what happened before you. Like, Derivative. Your, like your personality is an amalgamation of all the experiences you've had, all the people who have had contact with you, the relationships you've had, the friendships you've had. All of these these things shaped you into who you are. It's not... It didn't it's not something you materialized out of nothing. Sure. Um, like all your beliefs are an amalgamation of everything you've experienced, as is um, what was my point as is sort of you know this idea of who who you identify as and like whether or not you think you're right or wrong or whether you think you you think you're unique. It's like even within that you're not like when you look at like subgroups of people. Like, even when we were younger, you know, we sort of identified with the alternative scene. And, mm-hmm. you know, in certain contexts, like, that can make you feel quite unique. Whereas, in a sense, well, you're kind of just a cliche within your own kind. Because there are hundreds of millions of people who are also into the exact same thing. What's so the alternative like, then? Yeah. yeah, it's like, so you're not... Nothing is truly unique. Nothing, is, nothing exists in a vacuum. Yeah. I think is the point I'm trying to get to. And that's why I think more people like fundamentally we are more aligned than people realize like fundamentally we all want the same stuff. When you get down to the really human stuff, we all want the same stuff. There's like really any different, not really any difference unless I don't know, you know, maybe you're some kind of like psychopath or something. You don't want human companionship or love or any of these sorts of things, like all these fundamental human designs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, you know, this idea that you're different and unique, and it's it's just kind of bullshit to me. And that's why I think, you know, you should be open to introspection. You should be open to what people have to say about the things that you're into or the groups that you're within. Because even within those groups, you kind of end up having like, you know, like the bubble effect where you're just kind of like in an echo chamber if you surround yourself with people who are just saying the same things into the same things, it's just confirmation bias. You like, you never grow from that. You just keep yeah. going deeper into it where you're like, yeah, I'm correct, I'm correct. And, you know, this is the truth. And that's why I think it becomes even more painful when someone makes it seem from the outside, someone gives you that glimpse of how ridiculous it is, maybe through a joke or whatever. It's like, it shatters that bubble. It's yeah. literally like a popping of this bubble that you existed within. That's it. Like for
1: example, let's say, um you're strictly a rock m- guy you're into aerosmith fuck rap you know mm. and then you realize oh right aerosmith did a track with run dmc mm. wow they're, they're, they're meant to be just rock they're meant to be mm. to satisfy my desires or whatever mm. it's like uh, we, we can all create out of anything and we can you know like rules are meant to be broken that kind of thing like I don't get uh, how how you want to be in in your, in your own cult, mm. and that doesn't help you grow as a person. That helps you become more vicious, because, because you got a pack mentality. The more you think that oh this person is not believing what I believe in, he's evil. You yeah, know? that's why it's so easy to throw around Nazi, and it's so easy to throw around communist as well. Yeah, it's it's all um, just it, we're playing a weird game. Yeah.
0: You know, I kind of want to say that it's um, that this idea of identifying within like a group is maybe like, like a childish thing in a sense where when you're young enough where you haven't figured out your sense of self or who you are. Mm -hmm. So the easiest thing to do is to align yourself with a group that kind of feels right. Yeah. So for example, when I think back to being younger, having not being able to associate with what was the norm. I wanted to find something that deviated, but I didn't really know how to express that. So the first thing that came along that seemed counterculture was like, okay, that seems like more of an expression of what I want to say than this is. So you kind of deviate into that group. Then it's kind of, as you grow older and you get more of a deeper sense of self and you, you go through all that introspection, you ask yourself all those questions about who you really are. That's when you start to realize, actually, I don't need to identify this one group. There are facets of me within every Group, yeah, which is where I think you want to end up. And I wanted to say that's like maybe it's like a high school thing going to adulthood. But I know legit people, you know, our age and much older who are still very much in that same high school mentality. Very of much. I don't know who I am. So I'm going to identify with this group. You get that with identity politics and mm-hmm. just anything where it's like, I'll just pick this tribe because I don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, and I think that's such a sad place to be, like to go your entire life without ever realizing who you really are and not having the realization that there is joy to be found within all groups and subsets and there's parts of you in yeah. all of them. You don't just have to stick to one thing. Um, well, it, well, it's a weird trick. Like, it, cause
1: you go into those groups initially because that's who you kind of, um, you, uh, you respond to them you relate to them yeah. and that you think they're they're speaking your language but that can also be a marketing tactic uh tactic mm. you know uh, there's no one going to be able to fucking form a cult with the way I fucking speak so um <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's one of those, it's definitely a weird marketing tactic where um okay yeah they're speaking the way uh, that I speak they 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 feel the same way that I feel but then you, as you grow older, you realise your mind changes too. Um, with that, like you're not always going to be thinking the way the the cult wants you to think. Mm. It's like try leaving the uh, the Church of Scientology when mm. you're 40 and you've been in there since you were 18. Yeah, it's that's a tough one. Like
0: it's an indoctrination, yeah. but but almost voluntary. But it's like stuff like I mean, I think that kind of fascinates me, and I think it's it's things like that that make me think. Again, I think it comes down to this thing about what's your pain threshold. So for example, people that go into the Church of Scientology, something that is just clearly bullshit. It was yeah. created by a science fiction writer that it's wasn't much even proven. that long ago. Like yeah. it is full on bullshit, right? Everyone can kind of see that. It's like a pyramid scheme when you get it in it. Right. And it's, it's just, it's absurd. Like it's objectively absurd right i mean if it makes you personally happy that's a different thing mm-hmm. but we can as a society agree it's objectively absurd what's going on like there is no divine origin of this you know it's it's not even like it was from thousands of years ago where it's harder to prove like what was it Elron hubbard yeah uh, the writer right He he died not that long ago and it's like you're right people willingly go into this and why is that and i think the reason people go into stuff like that and why even into later in life they still have stuff like identity politics and stuff like that ruling them is because, again, it is too painful perhaps for them to break out and do that introspection and figure out who they are. Like, figuring out who you are is a very painful process. Sure. Like, anyone who's done it knows that um, because you, you essentially have to break everything about you think you know about you yourself down, to break yourself down yeah find the truth of who you are and build yourself back up like brick by brick until you are your own person and i think that is just so painful for a lot of people to even begin to attempt yeah it is. that stuff like this is kind of like a band-aid like identifying with like the church of scientology for example it just it tells you who you are mm. it literally tells you who you are and i think that whole thing is you're like some sort of chosen savior to save I don't know if there's something to do with like a multiverse theory or to save the galaxy through reincarnation or something like that. Some Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, it's basically telling you who you are. So you Mm. don't have to go through the process of figuring out who you are. And I think that's the same things with identity politics. Like if you're a leftist, you know, they're telling you who you are, what you You believe and what you do. Or if you're a conservative, they're telling you who you are and what you believe in. And it's like, you don't have to think. It's like your beliefs are given to you. Mm. And I think that's why it's so pervasive and so strong it's literally because for most people it's too painful to figure out who they are by themselves they don't even know where to begin well I think it makes you interesting like if you're talking about politics that somehow you know shit like yeah. uh, that, that
1: doesn't make you, you've you seen politicians you've seen people who become president they don't know shit and they're not in control ultimately um, I've I, I got a whole bit about how I don't talk about politics on my app because I don't know what I'm talking about mm. so in a way I'm a, I'm a political comedian <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty good yeah I, I, like, I like that one it's got a good response but mm. It'd be surprised some people have been quite angry at that because yeah. they think oh are you a centrist then i'm like i'm mm. I'm, I'm i'm me like yeah. i do have certain beliefs and i'll i'll listen to either side and i'll just kind of laugh to be honest you mm. think why are we really having these conversations like yeah. why are we having a conversation about is this should this joke be allowed on air or you know any kind of old shit you hear on the news it's just really that's why I, I i class myself as um, apolitical mm. uh, cause I just don't care ultimately yeah. because there's some stuff I just can't control mm. and I feel like if I'm going to be part of a group and I have to think a certain way you know let's say you, you caught me and I was talking to Nigel Farage but he just came out of the newsagents and I just wanted to kind of ask him why, why do you think this just the idea that I'm talking with him mm. would be an act of like treason mm. <laughs> in their in their eyes it's just a weird thing like they, they don't allow for any context They don't allow for any real freedom of thought i personally feel um it's because deep down they kind of feel a certain way but they they can never say it so how Mm. are you
0: really free how are you an individual yeah i think the notion that you can like a belief system formed by one school of thought is going to be good or accurate is just kind of ridiculous and absurd like you know there are there are there are good ideas across the spectrum from left to right. I think the problem happens when you go to the extreme left and the extreme right. But I think in order to form good policy or make good decisions, you know, it very much is a case of shades of grey. There are good ideas in both sides. And I think that's... I think if there was more... Even within that, the fact that there is just a left or a right or there's two political parties is is absurd within itself. Exactly. You know, I think there's like... There's like a whole quote about, you know, what's the easiest way to make, to control people and make them think they have a choice. It's like set up vigorous debate within, um, like closed parameters. So it's like, you know, they have two choices, but within that, let them debate Decide, vigorously. Right. So it's like patent passionately. So it's like they go super deep but really it's like left or right whoever comes in power it's usually the same shit. yeah and it's like but people think they have a choice in what's going on because they can vigorously debate within the two when in reality you need a lot more options that you need a lot more input you need a lot more ideas you need a lot more schools of thought yeah um to come into that it's you know i mean in times of old and i'm talking like you know closer to ancient times when policies and stuff were being made these were things was like the people who were deciding I mean you'd have a broad spectrum of people you'd have philosophers you'd have academics you'd have you know men in military you'd have people across all sections of society and it's like with that melting pot of ideas you would you would you would create better policy Mm. because think about it now you know if you had the people who are deciding what laws came into power if those were split between you know practitioners of different sectors you know from medical professionals to like teachers to philosophers to academics to what have you if you had all of those different points of view coming in to form these policies you'd make way better policies
1: yeah you know because there's an input of ideas yeah i
0: mean you have people like making environmental policy who don't believe in climate change for example i mean that's the level of ridiculous Mm. that we have going on and it's like career politicians and stuff like that it's just, um, where was I going with this? It's just like having the input of ideas from yeah. rather than like a left and a right. Kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you can't, and it's again, it just comes down to that sense of, I just want to identify one thing and be told what to think, because then if you introduce multiple parties, all of a sudden you have to think about multiple opinions. And that's way too much for a lot of people within itself. Like, I have to consider five points of view. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. And most of the people who identify with, like, left or right, for example, liberal and conservative, they're just taking on, you know, the views that were prevalent in the household they were raised in, for example. Um, I feel it's the new religion. Yeah, I think that's always been the case in some sense. Yeah,
1: but it's... but, But weirdly enough, politics has always... If it's been uh, right-laying, it's been bringing their um, religion into it. Mm. Like, why that should be the um, the route for a good society. Mm. Whereas, I don't know if it's left-wingers. like I don't know if you consider them atheists or mm. agnostics. I'm not sure. But in a way, it's become a religion.
0: Mm.
1: Where it's like, if you, you're either left-wing or you're right-wing, and... I think it's just a weird game
0: that we've, we've, we've tricked ourselves into playing. Mm. What I kind of see with right-wingers and religion, it's more a preservation of, like, traditional values. Yeah. Whereas with all left or liberal-leaning people, I mean, I think there are what... I mean, I think traditionally, maybe they were less likely to sort of believe in religion. But what I've started to see, or maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention before, is they will augment religion to kind of suit Satisfying. the current agenda. Yes. So rather than preserving traditional values, they want to rewrite or reinterpret or whatever to suit what's going on now, which may not be a bad thing in some cases. Um, but you got to realize where that's coming from, though. Like, if you can yeah. rewrite
1: the... The, the history book if you can yeah. rewrite the, the, the bible yeah then you can rewrite certain laws to suit mm. your own ends it's like absolute power corrupts absolutely all those cliches they still exist today so um, I think initially people's values or their belief systems they come from a good place ultimately but mm. it's like where do they go from there
0: mm. because
1: the more people get into it the more they can fuck it up mm. really they can and that's what what you see a lot with the right wingers, where they they would um, they would corrupt everything, like they would line their own pockets, and so, you know all those stories that you hear, mm. whether they're true or not. I'm sure a lot of them are. But left wingers are doing the same thing. Look at Antifa, mm. where I understand where they're coming from ideologically. Mm. But the way they've been implementing it has been very right wing, mm. very uh, fascist, mm. which is ironic. Yeah. Um, so. You know, so they they want to use those methods to suit their mm. own ends because their ideology is coming from a good place. Um, Let's stop recording now. So, um, so yeah, it's just a weird, uh, it's a weird time where um we're still trying to figure it out. We really are.
0: Yeah, I think where it becomes dangerous is. Because what happens within these groups, it's, you know, something is just said enough where it becomes truth. Mm. Um, it begins to take them truth because people say it so much and they're not willing. I mean, it's almost like people have forgotten history. Like you see so many of these young kids crying out for communism. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you have read any history bu- book or even see the stuff that's going on in the world right now in certain countries, you will realize that's a terrible idea. Yeah oh no but our but our idea of communism is so much better yeah, you it's know. it's it's just it's, it's such a ridiculous notion and i think people unnecessarily shit on capitalism a lot mm. i think you know it's not perfect but it's by far the best system that we have i mean just look at the level of comfort it's created for society it's unprecedented how many people live good lives now thanks to capitalism mm. And it's like people just don't want to look at that because they'll, you know, they'll do something. a will be like, "Oh, Wall Street, down with Wall Street, right. communism." And I think what annoys me about that, it's almost always from people who don't want to put in the effort to be to create more value for society and therefore be rewarded more in society. Like, I mean, that's what capitalism is, right? You yeah. create value and people pay you for it. That's what that. That's all it is. I w- I, I do agree with that,
1: and I do feel. That whole um method, I think is that recording it is and yeah, sorry. Um the problem is it's people are corrupting it from within. Like if they're not um earning Is that recording? I, I don't think it is anymore. I think it's reached its optimum level. Yeah, it's it's full now. That's unfortunate. So right. we can still continue though if you want i don't mind
0: um where are we at we're at 55 minutes um i guess we'll just wrap up sure man um using the one camera yeah that ruined my train of thought man yeah but (laughs) But it's like we could go oh god i could talk about that shit for like yeah hours it just goes deep there's just so many issues but
1: but they do have the left left wingers do have a point the 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 problem is is how we're implementing our ways of trying to make things better um yeah. And some parts where, you know, you have to use capitalism for it. Yeah. You know, how are you going to do everything else under a socialist movement? Yeah. I don't get that.
0: It's just, I think if people actually look through history books and see the definition of things and see how these things actually play out, you know, every time communism was implemented, it was always like our communism is different, mm. but it always ends up in the same stuff. You know what I mean? People fighting for bread. Like yeah. that's just where it ends up all the time. Um, because it's essentially... Rather than saying everyone has the opportunity to create wealth, like there's no cap on what you want. It's just like, let's just give it all to the government and then they will hand things out equally. Yeah. It's like you already have such distrust for the government and now you want to like trust (laughs) them to do that. Like, it's just ridiculous. I don't know where they get this shit from. Um, They're listening to someone. (laughs) Yeah. But to kind of tie this podcast together, I I think, you know, one of the main things I wanted to cover you was kind of this theme of like perseverance. Yeah. Um, how we got to politics, I don't know. Ah, oh, that's the way it always yeah. goes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of perseverance, um, I think it's quite fascinating how you've kind of been on this journey for seven years and you continue to do it and how your mindset has kind of shifted over the years from, yeah. you know, just wanting to do it um, for whatever end, but then kind of realizing actually, you know, I'm just kind of doing this because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of an interesting space to get to because that like we kind of discussed that kind of never ends it's like your purpose going forward is to just get joy from being an entertainer yeah exactly
1: just being creative doing what i want to do yeah that's all i want that's what anyone wants um but you got to realize that it's not going to happen to you straight away yeah you might get lucky but how do you prolong that yeah you know luck doesn't last forever it's a a definitely a
0: momentary thing (laughs) yeah for sure and i think if, if you're in a situation where you're wondering, well, do I carry on with this or do I give it up? Um, that's probably a sign that maybe it's not for you. Maybe. Because often, you know, when you're in a situation where you're doing something and you can go on it, through it for years on end, you know, you're doing it for, I think, the right reasons. Yeah. You're not doing it for the outcome. You're not doing it because one day you hope to be in Wembley Arena. You're doing it because you love the journey. You love every step of the way. Yeah and if you're not if you don't love every step of the way, I think you need to reevaluate whether or not this is what you really want is you know what do you need to change in order to get back on track um because I think without that realization, without understanding that 99% of this is going to be the journey to get there, um you won't make it. Yeah. So much. so much of the perseverance comes down to loving the journey that you're on because ultimately that's that's pretty much going to be the bulk of your life. Yeah. Um so if you're in a situation where you know you're just constantly finding yourself quitting maybe you just haven't found really what it is you want
1: that is exactly what happened to me I quit yeah. everything that I was I was doing like in terms of like the gymnastics and uh, the the drumming well, I still mm. I still drum but I, I I quit pursuing that yeah I just enjoy playing it but um but the, the comedy was like it really is like a special art form um, yeah. and and but also it is um, a craft as well mm. like I definitely got to give it its credit there um it's so much fun because it's a way you you can express yourself and that's what irritates me now is when um, comedians like have to be almost on edge in terms of oh, okay I shouldn't say this well, I'm not saying everyone has mm. to be an offensive comedian, but I think every comedian deserves a fucking platform. Yeah, you know, for sure. You can you can have um, a Maria Bamford, and you can have um, John Bishop, um, but you know you also deserve Doug Stanhope. You also need to hear um, Bill Burr. You know, yeah. there's someone for everyone. So like, let's just pack it in and just fucking realize it's just comedy is meant to be funny. And if anything that people are saying is upsetting you, maybe just think. You know, maybe they're just doing it to be a dick or
0: maybe they hit uh, a nail on the head about you and you should re- reevaluate yourself for real man it will help <laughs> so where can people learn more about you because if I want to if I want to see Rick's comedy or I want to know more about what Rick's doing what do I do you can follow me on
1: Instagram at r.j.murta and uh, it's it encompasses everything that I do with sculpting and uh, comedy as well, as well as some other daft shit I'll just post up on there. Uh, and you can also uh, find me on YouTube, just type in Rick to Comedy, and there's some stuff on there. I will be doing uh, a longer show sometime this year, so I'll be pre- preparing to uh, promote for that, and we were looking to get a venue at the moment. Uh, I'll be doing it with my friend Mel Knight, who's also a very funny dude. Um, so I'm just looking just to really push the comedy and... Yeah, just enjoy it. I've really enjoyed have, uh, being on this podcast, man.
0: Sweet, dude. Amazing. <clears throat> Thanks so much for doing it. Anytime, mate. Appreciate it. Cool. Hit the. One more time. There you go. <sighs> Sorry about that. <sighs>